0: All right, welcome, everyone, to episode 24 of Caster Calls with Zombie Grub. I am here with the one and only Tasteless. As uh, the the job's over, the end of the year is here, and uh, both of us actually have nothing to do now, but not not too, for too long, I guess. Uh, StarCraft Two season is always, seemingly always in season. But anyhow, we finally got together. I'm so excited to talk to you, Tasteless. It's always good to see you as well. We haven't talked in a while. I know.
1: Since the pandemic, I have hardly seen anybody, so it's good to catch up with you here um on the show thank you for having me
0: yeah of course i think it's going to be an awesome one i had a lot of fun uh i've had a lot of fun in every single episode basically everyone has like really interesting perspectives but it was actually like so long ago back like one of the beginning episodes i was talking to um oh my god paper thin what's it what's his uh clinton <laughs> yeah clinton there you yeah. go i have been thinking creighton I was like no oh, that's not the right one um yeah, so different, yeah
1: different yeah, in Korea. yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly yeah but yeah, and he mentioned that you guys actually talk a lot about uh, casting, and I was like, oh man, I can't wait to get Tasteless you know, on the podcast, and here we are like, um, gosh, like six months later, I started this right after I got back from, from Katowice, so anyways, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So most people, of course, you know, listening to this are StarCraft fans, so they kind of have the general idea of, of who Tasteless is, but um, let's hear it from the, you know, your mouth is, I guess, like, what <laughs> was the start of your casting career and, and how did you really uh, get sucked into it?
1: So um, I was a competitive StarCraft one player um, and I got to the USA finals a couple times. times, um, like so top 16 or top 12, depending on how the format was set up. And then um, basically I got eliminated by my brother in New York. I, I can't remember which year that was, maybe 2005. I'm not sure. Um, and they had a guy who was a stage host who knew all the games, but Starcraft. And so he wasn't comfortable talking about Starcraft, um, in front of an audience and stuff. So I offered to go up there and and, and do that with him. And then I sort of conned my way into getting more and more work like that. I I didn't really view it as, um, early on as me wanting to be, uh, there there weren't casters basically, excuse me, there weren't casters at that time. So what I was more interested in doing was getting a free trip somewhere, um, getting to meet other pro gamers, getting to watch Korean pros play in person. So after that, I did some work in Singapore for the World Finals for WCG. And then I just picked up, you know, maybe two or three gigs a year. I would skip classes in college and, and go to these events and get paid a small amount of money, but they pay for my hotel and my flight and stuff. And then eventually uh, there was a job opening in Korea for a TV uh, a TV network called Arirang TV, which I think most people probably don't know about, but it's like a, it's like an English language kind of generic TV station in Korea. It's about, it's about stuff in Korea. So they were looking for somebody that had some experience in commentary and I had some friends already living in Seoul. And so they hooked me up with those people and that's how I ended up moving out to Korea. And I've been out here for, I think, 13 years. Um... And so, yeah, I mean, I think as far as the StarCraft 2 stuff, everybody knows I do GSL and all that.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, when you're, you know, back when you first decided to, like, go up and and help that guy out, I mean, at that point, we're still talking about, like, Team Liquid writing down the builds of the 240p videos that they somehow got, (laughs) you know, no Mm -hmm. one else could get access to. So did you ever, like, consider casting before just like being like, Oh, that guy doesn't know. Him. I'm going to get up there. Or is there anyone that you looked at who was actually providing commentary?
1: No, no, <laughs> it was, it was a completely, um, it was just sort of a weird situation basically. Cause I got paired against my brother, you know, it was like three months of prep to then kind of lose to the guy that I was prepping with the whole time. And so, and I, I lost outright. So there were, there was no loser's bracket or anything. So I just wanted something to do. Um, and I mean, I like, I, I enjoy talking about the game. So I, I just sort of, I, early on, I kind of fell into it, but the moment that I, um, finished the broadcast, I kind of realized, oh, there's people working at this event. It hadn't really occurred to me up until then. I guess there's people that are paid to run these things and this is a job. Um, and so I thought, oh, well, maybe, you know, I was still a college student. I was probably going to go to grad school. Um. And try to get like a, a high higher education in philosophy, but I just thought, oh, maybe this is like a thing I can do to make a living, casting or working in esports or, or something like that.
0: Right, and there was just like you know, most people that I talk to, they're they're like, there's some background information about commentary, whether they they started off watching StarCraft two and, and you were in artosis, you know, literally, or or at least uh, you know, coming in a few years into. Uh, the esports world around 2012 so they have like this kind of like base expectation of of esports commentary uh but you come in and you just have like you you have nothing that you're modeling yourself after you don't think about the sports broadcasting that you hear in the radio you just really get up there and you're just like well i guess this is what people want to hear about
1: well i mean i the first time i was basically just on stage kind of saying what my what the races are trying to do to do to each other. You know, like Taryn wants to try to push and kill the Zerg and stuff like that. Um, when I got to Singapore, I got to meet DJ wheat and a few other, the very, very early casters. Like back then they'd call themselves shout casters. Um, and I, I would say the person who had the most influence on me would be DJ wheat, who, uh, is a high up at uh, higher up at Twitch now, but he was, he just had like the broadcaster chops. He, he knows how to talk. um, I was very green back then. So I was, I was looking up to him a lot and and he was definitely mentoring me. Um, But, you know, I mean, I think some of the, the the job at the time was just, you know, can you be on camera and not say something completely inappropriate? You know, that, that, you know, a a lot of people can't be trusted to just go on camera and talk. And so I think because I wasn't going to say anything really foolish or make the company look bad. I kind of got in that way, but as time passed to I me, mean, when I got to Korea and started getting a really regular work, I started thinking more about like, what, what was the culture like that I grew up with around StarCraft and also what kind of shows do I enjoy and why do I enjoy them? Even not gaming related. Why do I enjoy stuff? And then I try to implement that into my work.
0: Yeah. So what were you thinking about? I mean, most people... I would say, you know, you guys brought in this air of of um, you, and then you guys being you and Artosis brought in this just like air of of two good friends having fun talking about Starcraft. And you could bring the analysis when it was necessary, but it's it's a lot about an actual show um, as opposed to just this as a cast. So is that something that you identified early on through like listening to you know comedy podcasts or or variety uh, shows or what?
1: I mean, the thing with Dan is that we're. Like, like like the way that we are on camera it, we're like that off camera that's our sense of humor and so you know we had did a lot of little casting gigs around the country and some online stuff um and whenever we tried to be funny even if we didn't think what we did was that funny the feedback was quite good and i just never felt like it was disrespectful to make jokes during the cast also uh growing up all the people i knew that played starcraft had a really good sense of humor i think because the game was already so old even then if you're playing competitively it was sort of absurd it was only popular on any professional level in korea the game's hard and nobody's really actually making an, uh, any real money i mean the only players that made money like enough money to make a living outside of korea were like ukrainian players and some polish players because um at that time especially like a $500 sponsorship a month would go a long way just with that kind of money goes a long way out there so um dan mentioned this to me a long time ago but a lot of starcraft players back then had kind of gallows humor like a dark sense of humor and we found that if we you know we made jokes and had fun and people just had, had fun with it you know as long as it was also still very starcraft oriented
0: yeah so it wasn't really um you know a, a concentrated effort as much as it was it really was just like that's what you're going to your, your be like and then people are like oh we like that <laughs> so you yeah have well, that feedback loop
1: yeah i mean basically you know it was weird because when the game first came out it was sort of this crazy thing where we had been out in korea for years and suddenly we actually have a show now um and then and this happens whenever you have any new show is suddenly people that also work there start to try to tinker with the broadcast or the way the show is or start telling you what to say and what to do or what not to say And so we had a lot of issues with people working there early on until we sort of outlasted them. Um, And by then, all those people are gone. They're not working there anymore. And so we were sort of able to take creative control and try to make it in our vision. Also, with a lot of these Korean productions, they're so focused on the Korean end of it. They're basically just entrusting you with the responsibility of, of facilitating the show and knowing how to handle it. Because, like, when we first got picked up for GS, I told him, because it costs a lot of money to have an English broadcast, so I said, you don't need writers, you don't need any of the other people that you would normally have to pay for to do this. We'll just take care of all of it.
0: And, and I mean, you said they, they have writers for the green side?
1: Yeah, yeah, they have writers that help with the storyline, um, people that huh. go over stats. I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, Extra jobs. So, like early on, especially when I was doing the StarCraft 1 stuff before StarCraft 2 came out, but at GOM TV, I basically just said, You you don't have to worry about anything. Just slot me in with the makeup artists. Like, I'll go in between the Korean casters, and then you can just let me go because I've already done that. And so that way, it didn't didn't cost a lot. So, it wasn't hard to justify to the people in charge of budget.
0: Yeah. I mean, people know that there's such a big difference with the Korean commentary just because of the very, um, you know the parent like there are three commentators right and people right. are always comparing us to, to that as well and saying maybe it's the best thing we could do that and i don't know I'll ask your uh, opinion on that later but but to have writers involved with it as well is, is a bit surprising i think one of the things that i've learned doing this podcast and, and looking at other esports is that i don't know about writers <laughs> but they they do have a lot more people being pulled in to bring in like stats for instance right um you know, especially if they do end up being these big productions, like a like a riot production. But for the Koreans, I guess, to just be that's the standard. I mean, was that the standard for like the pro league casting as well? Or do you not know much about? that? I don't
1: know that much about that production. I mean, for instance, like we can get the stats now, too. I mean, we're GSLs at now. It's fine, right? I mean, we we, we have better numbers in the Korean viewers even. So um, but at at the time. I'm not sure. There's a a lot more people involved, though, early on. Like, now I can get the stats. If there's any important narrative they think that Dan and aren't going to know about, they'll let us know. Usually we don't need it, but yeah, it's all there. I think a lot of um, Western eSports has been more bare bones. Although, again, with, like, League of Legends, I don't know, for instance, what's involved with that.
0: It is a lot involved with that, actually. It seems like it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we—I mean, it feels like StarCraft Two never really stopped being the the grassroots scene, even though we've we've obviously like you know had our our fair share of of developer and, and publisher input. Um, that we still you know don't bother to really form teams. Obviously, you and our do, but that's a bit a different scenario. Um, we don't have a lot of outside influence. We show up and basically, even if it's like a new producer um, or director, that is like, oh, we love what you guys are doing. Just like keep doing it. Um, I think I think a lot
1: very early on, I felt like when I was casting, a lot of people were trying to kind of modify the way that we cast it or, or how we did it. And I know um, the enemy gave a lot of pushback everywhere to just kind of leave us alone because we know what we're going to do. So that also might be why now all the Starcraft 2 stuff sort of like that. It's sort of hands off. But uh, like, I think the WCS casters are the best casters that there are. And it's I think it's in part because people are able to do an entire show by themselves and be ready and, and handle stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a big part about being a StarCraft commentator is, is being able to kind of like do things on the fly, do things all by yourself. I yeah. mean, I think all of us have had our fair share of, of the, the growing pains the doing the, the weekly cops without any pay, having to observe and produce our, on our own. And, um, you know, we've all happily moved past that as we can, but we still get sucked into it every now and again because we just don't have the same setup as something like an Overwatch League as well, where it really is just like you guys are one machine part to this entire machine, and it's... Um,
1: well, also, and, that, know, I mean, a game job. like Overwatch as well, it's not very cut and dry, right? Like, that that's hard to observe. I know that for the, yes. for the whole <laughs> first year, it was a nightmare for them to even figure out how to capture the game yeah. correctly, and so I feel like, luckily, with StarCraft, because we have that bird's-eye view, it things get a little bit easier.
0: And I think the pacing of StarCraft also really is is quite I, for me. It's the gold standard. It's you know obviously why I like StarCraft two above above the rest. But when I watch the other pacing of the other esports, I just always think like especially when it comes to Overwatch, which is so darn fast. I'm like, Oh well, that's impressive. Like you know, it's impressive when you guys cast this, but also it's not really like it's not my jam, right? You know, in StarCraft two, we have our slow port parts where we can talk like friends. We talk about you know, just really weird stuff, random stuff. And then we have our really hype moments. We have our analytical moments. But that's why I've always liked the pacing the most. Um, I think it really lets us shine in a very casual manner. But um, I, so I you... also
1: think it's, it's, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Nope, uh, go ahead. I, I think also it's, it's a little bit of a different uh, setup because you're telling a story almost the whole time. I mean, a game can be five minutes or 40 minutes, but you're trying to kind of, capture the entire thing where like you take csgo for instance it's very round oriented now there's still a bigger story within that like who's going to win on dust 2 or whatever but um i think there's a certain a tempo to a starcraft cast that's a little bit different from other games and i think it's not as structured as like a league cast ends up being because league ends up in a lot of the same re- repetitive cycles like they win a big fight then they go for baron you know they push the push um, you know, StarCraft games can get into a lot of very unique uh, situations.
0: Yeah. I mean, it goes hand in hand with both the game as well as the way that the 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 game eSport is being pushed as a whole. Like how the scene has grown was it was it a little bit more artificial, was it more grassroots. You know, that's why there's a big difference between an Overwatch League broadcast is not just the game, but also because they were kind of modeling a bit more after traditional sports broadcasting and something like a, a Smash Melee tournament, right? Like right. It's going to be very, very different. Uh, for multiple reasons but you guys um you know eventually you and, and artosis started to, you know just casting so much together doing the biggest event from the the best region you guys of course are now known as uh you know the world's best uh caster duo so you guys though had to go through some of these these pains of, of being the guys to do it kind of first with the the second coming of esports the one that actually hit the international scene starcraft 2 was the biggest thing and helped grow Twitch. And you guys were kind of leading the charge as some people who were, you know, great casters as well as I think brand minded. you were actually thinking about this as a, as a job a bit more, um, more than the other guys might be just getting like their first gigs, right, for those MLGs. So, how did that, how did you guys direct yourselves in that landscape that was like 2010 to uh, 2012? So, I guess
1: they would be. There's two parts to it, right? So there was the whole the whole goal to stabilize in, in Korea. Um, I mean, we were sort of known in some esports circles in Korea, but it was like, you know, you're trying to pick up odd jobs and you know, Koreans are very interested that, oh, there's some foreigners that that know that are interested in StarCraft. A lot of Koreans didn't know that anybody outside of Korea even knew about StarCraft. Um, but it was the first part was us trying to get stabilized here, so get proper work visas which means a company has to sponsor us, um, get enough money that, you know, like there was periods where I had to borrow money from friends because I just didn't have enough money. I wasn't making money. Um, and then getting proper pay because, you know, the thing about doing anything on TV is some people make a lot of money. Some people literally don't make any money. So, uh, it was about trying to prove, are worth, and I think in that process we realize we have to treat ourselves as a, as a package because we both had experiences early on where, like one, you know, they don't want to pay both of us well, or somebody says, "Well, why don't we just use you and not Dan, or vice versa?" Um, there there was other forms of triangulation early on, and we just sort of realized, okay, we have to just always meet people as a unit. Because that way they either get all of us or they don't get anything. Um, and I mean, we're paid the same and everything like that. But it was basically to try to get that set up so that one of us doesn't get fucked over. you know. And so once we had that set up and we had GSL going, then the second step was to try to figure out, okay, how do we leverage this to secure other events overseas? And... Then how do we get them to pay us? Because then that's the that's a whole other thing, too, is that people weren't paying cashers hardly anything back then either. So how do we convince these companies that we're worth that? Or how do we get them to give us uh, an airline ticket that we think is good where we're not transferring to through four airports to get to some location? And so you kind of play each of the companies off each other, you know, and then you you, you find the one that you think is gonna give you the best deal. And You push them the hardest, and then you can use that with the next company and then the next company um, until eventually you have yourself padded, then you come back to the Korean studio, you say, "Well, I've done every event in the world now you gotta uh pay both of us better, and then you kind of push you you push yourself into a position where you're you're safe um and so yeah, it was two parts it was the Korea part, and then the second part was just kind of getting mapping out kind of. Overseas work, which is always a little bit different in each region n a is a little bit different than Europe uh different Asian regions are a little bit different than n a or Europe, and so that was probably maybe two and a half to three year process of us kind of trying to figure that out, but a big part of it was always doing this as a unit so that way, if like um a company says, "Oh my God, we don't want to pay both these guys, they go to Dan and say, Well, let's just get you. He goes no or the same thing for me we go no we just won't do the event unless you get both of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But now was that more about, you know, making sure that you guys were helping each other out because you did, you know, you work together so often you're coming from the, the same place. um, Or was that also uh, entirely like which one, uh, because you guys knew that a duo brand was going to be more coveted. Like, is this a, you actually were like okay a duo is the most powerful thing that we can offer so we should really push this or was it just more of like a oh i don't want to let you know artosis be left back in korea well
1: it, it was both it was it was mm-hmm. totally both um uh, early on uh, there was a blizzcon where they had hired my brother already and then they wanted to hire me but not Dan for instance and i just said cut my i, mean, I they, they were- blizzard was not going to hire him. this is like really really long ago okay so like the first, uh, this might've been like before Starcraft two was out or like the year it came out, but I just said, okay. cut my pay in half and I'll share a hotel room with Dan. And that was like one of the first ones where it's like, no, we, we, we have to do it. And then once we get there, we can figure out the rest, but it was a combination of both. I mean, it, first of all, I, I mean, I, I love casting with other casters too, but the, the one of the reasons why Dan and me cast together so much is we know how each other cast. So we, you know, there's no weird problems. I've casted with a lot of people. Uh, I mean, obviously all the WCS casters are great, but I've like back in the day, I've cast with some people who would like text on their phone, like text, some texting their girlfriend while there's a cast <laughs> going on or, uh, you know, you get somebody's ego where they can't handle being wrong or they, they talk over you. I've cast with people that have never made eye contact with me and just look at the game and, you know, and it's like, it, it's a lot harder to work with people like that. So it was definitely a combination of both, but um yeah, I mean it it was we we wanted to make sure that we were both protected and that way if they if the company really didn't get any part of us, if they didn't get both of us. does that make sense?
0: yeah, absolutely, but it's just so interesting because you guys are were pushing this more than anyone else that I can remember, um yeah. you know inevitably. People would pair up. People like the NASL guys, bitter damn, because they cast so much. Eventually, became a bit of like an archon, but never, you know, the extent that you guys are. And then you guys are so ahead of the times as well, because right now the landscape of esports is that if any esport comes up, it, the companies are pushing for for duos. They are looking at an analyst and looking at a play by play guy, and they're like, "We're gonna we're gonna put you together." Um, and and that's actually just something that is almost you know universal at this point. Uh, amongst the bigger, you know, esports, not the more grassroots one, but but even still, even amongst the like the tier two scenes and some of these big Overwatch, like the Overwatch League, um they're also just like, yeah, we're going to test you out right now with these guys because we are going to then push you into that role. So it's it's very different. It was very ahead of the time, as I was saying, and it ended up doing wonders. Of course, it ended up being very much worth it, but it must have been difficult. Especially when other people weren't bothering to do the same thing. I mean, I don't know if if that's true or not, but I I imagine that most other people weren't like, okay, you got to bring, um, you know, Roddy. If 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 uh, Mr. Bitter got brought along, I don't I don't think that was happening. But you guys actually made sure to do it. Did you ever think that it wasn't going to to pan out? Did you ever think like, oh, maybe we should really start letting ourselves divvy up from each other?
1: No, because that's when they, I think, uh, broadcast companies start to screw. Their talent over pretty quickly is when they because you know all these companies at the end of the day want to get the most they can with spending the least amount of money, um and so no, I mean we never really thought of uh, kind of breaking up. I mean, for instance, Dan did Hearthstone for a while. Uh, I just did some PUBG a, a year ago, but like I mean, our main gig is Starcraft. So, excuse me. Um, no, we we never thought about like breaking off. One thing that um we both I think firmly believe is that like although Dan is probably viewed as more of like an analytical caster and I'm probably viewed as more of a play-by-play caster. We both think we can do both. I see a lot of other casters like end up pigeonholing themselves where they're like, well, I'm an analyst. And then the person who's an analyst can't fucking talk or use their voice or, um, you know, look into a camera. And then you get the guy who says, well, I'm the, I'm, I'm the caster. I'm the host then this person doesn't know anything about the game or they don't push themselves to know anything about the game, um, you know, or, or or try to understand it on any kind of deep level. And so I know with Dan, we we both kind of feel like we are both play-by-play casters and analysts, even though yeah. I think it's, it's like, I'm the guy that opens the show. So I guess I'm, I'm doing more hosting. I, um, I probably do a little bit more play-by-play than Dan. Dan can still play-by-play. Well, Dan probably viewed as more the analytical one, but, I can analyze stuff and I can talk about strategy fine too. Uh, And I think a lot of casters nowadays sort of get caught up in some role when if you're going to get good at this job, you have to basically be good at all of it, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's been an interesting conversation point on this podcast is that, you know, talking to people from different esports, most of them are coming with a background knowledge of, of some like Starcraft II or even coming from Starcraft II as many people did, but you know, some of them are actually more new and then they're actually Thinking the way that these production, um, these companies are are pushing it with the duos, so they're like, yeah, of course I would only push this one or that one. I'm going to be best of this one. And I've always thought it was interesting. I always ask my guests, like, do you think that duos are the the best way? Um, Which I'll I'll extend to you. I mean, did you ever look at you know the previous days of of StarCraft Two and go like, oh, they really like Bitterdam should have pushed harder, or and Roddy should have pushed harder to be. Uh, a duo because this is actually the best uh, commentary that you can get because then you create such synergy with each other.
1: I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of what Dan and me figured out was kind of different because it was wild, wild west back then for esports. Also, we really were doing a show every week out of this, out of a studio in a city that we live in, right? I mean, most people aren't doing that. So, um, I know that there was a period when I was a WCS caster where, like, if they if I wasn't with Dan, they would always make me cast with Roddy. And I was just, eventually I had to talk, pull somebody aside and say, you have to let me cast. If I, First of all, I don't, you know, it's not like I can, I'm only going to cast with Dan, but I said, "I'm Roddy's fine to cast with, but I, I want to cast with every other person here. Because by then, the WCS casters, it was pretty much cemented who's going to be there, right? And so then it's, and then I'm like, okay, well, I, it's better. I learn more if I cast with different people then. Um, but I guess in the early days, things were a lot more competitive. There was a lot more StarCraft tournaments. I don't know if doing duos was the way to do it or not. The other thing is that I had worked with Dan so closely, like for years before we even got GSL, that I really kind of understood him um, and what he wanted, and he knew me and what I wanted. So um, yeah, I mean, I I I think that It's fine to have duos. You should also not just be trying to compete and take out other casters. You should actually try to have, you know what I mean, like a kinship with them. Um, I know each game, it's this casting scene sort of different, you know, Uh, they can be cutthroat. But, you know, I think if everybody's trying to lift each other up and help each other out, that's really important. So I don't know if I have a great answer for you with that one.
0: Yeah, um, it kind of sounds like I mean, you guys were in the most, you know, particular position for this, because um, even though in towards the beginning of, of Starcraft II, there were a couple of chances for duos to work together on a, on a common uh, show like NASL was happening pretty frequently. The MLG like Axel Toss and Axelav um, were pretty frequent. Uh, I mean, I guess uh, then the WCS, that's right, had their studio broadcast for NA and EU, if you remember that phase. There are chances right. for duos to be pushed, you know, if they were like, we're only going to do this and we're only going to do that. But I think inevitably what, you know, 2020 now, it's like, it's, it's obvious that wasn't going to stick the same way that you and, and Artosis could stick. You know, you guys are in Korea working in the same city that you live in, but everyone else, I mean, when the WCS studios went all Europe, you know, if Nate and Roddy had been very stubborn and been like, nope, this is it, can't go anywhere else, can't do anything else, they probably would have been, worse off I guess we all don't know but it might have been worse off they really it, Starcraft 2 is a scene where you have to be able to work with other people and you have to be cool with other people too so we yeah for be sure really cutthroat. the the, um, the
1: grossest scenes are always right when a new game comes out and like everybody yeah. like zombies that is in an unstable position just goes to the new game and I've done a have done a bunch of different games um but yeah I mean sometimes it's like oh man nobody here wants anybody else to. they're all talking shit um <laughs> you know, the game's new. So it's not clear that anybody really knows what they're talking about, but they're all pretty sure the other person's wrong. And I don't know, it can be a mess. I guess uh, the biggest advantage for Danami was just that we're in Seoul. I mean, even just for eSports work, like it's not just Danami out here working. There's like, I think eight other people that just commentate in English out here and a few people that do it you know off and on. But because this is a city where there were esports events every day. We're in lockdown right now because of COVID. But in, in in a normal world setting, there's just enough work for a bunch of different games that people can kind of exist out here and pick up gigs. Um, And so that, that was another big factor uh, for that as well, where I think even though a lot of people that work in esports live in LA, I don't feel like LA is is there yet with having enough stuff gaming related to where you can just be out there doing that. Um, Agreed. so I don't, I mean, I, I'm not sure where all the other cities are. I know there's a lot of people doing work out of Ukraine. Um, New York, not a good place for regular content. LA not bad. Uh, and the, I, I don't know about China. I don't know exactly what goes on in Chinese esports in some cases, but in English language stuff, it seems like Korea. And obviously if you speak Korean, Korean language stuff is quite good. Right. So that was a factor as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's also, you know, we talk about the casting scene, it's a very obvious difference to the player scene. The fact that you can be in a country that isn't that large and most tournaments going to happen in Seoul, maybe some in Busan or Daegu or something like that, but it's, right. it's a train ride, right? Yeah. So you can actually get to all these things that are happening where if you live in America, you'd have to fly literally 5 hours to, to LA um and then get back to New York and and whatever, right? right. So yeah. it you know, it's beneficial for the player base. That's one of the reasons Korea has been so great it's, it's cheap done.
1: too i mean i think a lot of people yeah. don't factor this in like yeah like when the players come like they, they take a taxi or they take the, the the bus you know and it's not like gsl has to house them you know they have yeah. their own homes and everything so i mean the, the the cost of doing a show like that is much more manageable i mean putting something on that even looks like a gsl pretty much anywhere else in the world for any other game is very expensive you have to pay for flights you have to put the players somewhere then the players need handlers to get them around because they might not speak the language of the country or, or that, they're, that they're in at that moment or that they might not know the city and then yeah there's just so many other parts so i think korea is able to do a lot of this because there's so much esports here and because of the way the city's built and the country's built yeah
0: absolutely it's uh i mean that's why i love i love visiting it but it is just one of the cheaper places and it, easier places, having been to yeah. a couple of different countries um, to get around, even if you don't speak the language, even if I didn't know Hong I feel like I'd still be able to get around totally fine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a lot of benefits to, to living in, in Korea. But I mean, of course, there is the downside, like actually living in Korea is a bit more expensive than just visiting Korea, of course. But then also that there is such a um, you know, there's only a few people who, who can really make this work. Uh, you know, living in Korea and actually getting a, a visa is is you know actually very very difficult and and sometimes impossible. So we have people doing visa runs and and just going over to Japan or back home for a little while and then coming back. Um, so as as much as there is work, it does feel like you know that you said it like eight people doing English commentary out right. there. Uh, how has that scene, I guess, developed over the years? You know, because League of Legends became so popular in Korea and then PUBG is a very uh, Korean centric esports, at the very least, and uh, I mean, do you still think that there's enough work for for the eight people? Do you think there's there's going to be more in the future with like Valorant coming in, or is it really? I, I think there's of-
1: going to be more work. If I had okay. to guess, um, we'll we'll see. I mean, it, it, yeah, I would definitely say yeah. I mean, StarCraft's still big, League's still big, PUBG. I I, I know there's going to be stuff. I don't think it's been announced yet, but there's stuff that's going to be here next year. Um and yeah, Valor Valorant's a big question mark because it's it doesn't appear to be taking off yet, but Korea's sort of weird with trends where like it might suddenly pick up and be everywhere if it's on TV enough out here. Koreans tend to like catch on to trendy stuff very quickly, almost to a comical level. Um, like there was a summer out here where everybody had yellow shoes. <laughs> like a couple people had them, and then I'm walking around and I remember thinking, oh, those look kind of cool. I should get them. And then it's like fucking everybody had it was it was ridiculous. But yeah, that might happen with Valorant. Um, there's some other games that are casted out here. Clash Royale gets English coverage. Um, so yeah, it it, it seems like it, it'll continue to grow. It's kind of hard to penetrate mm-hmm. from an outside level, especially now because usually they they you know the work goes to the people that are already here, right? right. Um, or if it's done like with League of Legends, I know Riot handles that because they handle all their stuff in house. Yeah. But yeah, it seems like it should grow. I imagine these trends will start to pick up in other cities globally as well. But it seems like right now Seoul is ahead of the curve for that.
0: Yeah, I think so. It is really funny when you talk about trends, though, because immediately I think of like the food trends in Seoul. Yeah. Like I, and, and sometimes they, they come over to America pretty fast as well. So I, I live in a Korea town and um, it just is like there is one one year where it felt like everyone was eating waffles yeah just so popular but it was like everywhere and then now now apparently there's like a a hot uh, corn dog fascination i was was not expecting yeah um but i was like okay there we go uh anyways yeah it's 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 i mean it's a wonderful city but it is difficult to to work in especially because you also have to get used to the you know some of the korean structures of of the korean companies uh which are going to be a bit different than europe and north america now. I've spoken to a couple other people, and uh, they say that it's not really as bad as it was. Is that true? Like when you work for a a Korean company, are you really adapting to their preferences, or are they they just kind of like they uh,
1: they have a different way of doing stuff out here? Like for instance, one thing that uh, Korea has always been the best about is their rehearsals are fast and efficient. Like, like all like a Korean rehearsal, what they do is they just you sit in a chair they 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 run through every camera shot in front of you on your screen and play every slide in the order, like it's on fast forward cool like but like other other production companies haven't figured this shit out yet, like it's crazy <laughs> like like if I sit down and they go okay camera shot they 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 zoom in on me right, then they go, goop, and then they have the three slides boop 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 then they had then they you know before the game starts. They do the shot that, you know, the same GSL shots you see, right? The one where they, they pan it over like this. They zoom in on each player's face. They zoom in on the game or we go into the game. Then they, they type GG. Then they, they show you all the shots after that. Then we're done. So many places will make you actually rehearse like an intro for a show for the amount of time that the actual intro for the show is. So it'll be like 20 minutes and it's like, well, there's just no need. And they want you Mm -hmm. to have a pretend conversation and. Uh, So there's some things Korea is fast about. There's other things like understanding. I think a lot of it's cultural, um, like understanding the hierarchy, um, knowing when to speak up and and say things need to be changed versus knowing, okay, there's this is not going to be changed and I should not bother. I'm going to look like an asshole for arguing with the producer about it. That kind of stuff. You can't know until you've done it a little bit. I think also speaking Korean helps a lot. Um, So, there's differences, but you know, Seoul's becoming a more cosmopolitan city every year, and they're definitely taking more stuff from foreign countries and kind of integrating it in with their own culture. So it is it is definitely a different style. But you know, doing a, a European event is very different than doing an event in LA. You know, there's all sorts of different things that you start to know about how like a, a Los Angeles production functions that's like here's a, something that happens in Korea only, and I don't know why. I can't get anybody to bring me a coffee. If I'm if I'm in a long broadcast, a lot of times if I say I need can somebody get me a coffee, they'll be like, Why didn't you bring a coffee earlier? <laughs> and I'm like, Well, that's a good point, but I'm now stuck here and it's been five hours, and I think we have, you know, another hour and a half. And you know, you can get it, but it like if I if I was in Los Angeles and I said, I need a coffee, they just go, Okay, and a coffee appears there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Funny. And so there's like that's these little weird. Yeah, there's <laughs> these little things that shouldn't... Like, if if, if I could just control the universe, I would fix all of it and make it perfect, <laughs> but I can't. But, uh, yeah, there's all these little different things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, yeah. in the early Korean productions, I'd be working with a, a staff where nobody spoke English. Mm, right. And so that was daunting. Now, anytime I work anywhere, um, even though I don't need it, there's somebody who's speaks fluent english you know because it's kind of understood of course you'd have one person there that spoke the language of the of the, of the show that's the broadcast is being spoken in there
0: right yeah and one of the things i asked um i think it was hajan actually it was a, uh, you know that the, the 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 idea that you know the drinking culture that is in in korea and like you have to go out whenever your bosses go out and get the drink until they stop drinking and, and that's uh it's cliche, uh, is it now? Like, is is that still something that you, did you have to do that with the companies you worked for in Korea? Or is it just kind of like white guys go that way?
1: <laughs> well, first of all, it's totally true that if you're in a Korean company, you have to go drink with the boss if there's going to be drinking. I think they've actually passed a law here that they can't, you can't go drinking with your boss more than once a week or something oh, like that. Because okay. there were some companies were like, you're working with a guy who just gets hammered every night. And so he's making the staff come out, you know, yeah. people aren't seeing their families. And, um, I, you know, f- for, for the line of work that I do, I don't have, they're, they're called way It's like a work party. The Korean words a way Um, I mean, I only, the, we only have those at the end of a, sh- at the end of a season. So that's, I mean, so for me, I don't mind going to them because We just finished, like, season three of GSL. Let's all go get barbecue together and get soju. Um, I know it is hard for people that don't like to drink, though. Right, yeah. Um, But I would say, foreigner or not, you have to go to those. In my opinion, I know that some people might say in a company, you don't have to do that, but it would be wise to go and stay out with people.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, does it ever get weird, though? Because isn't it also like your bosses going? Like, you're worried that you're going to. Embarrass yourself or anything?
1: <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I, I I I think I stay out of trouble. But the other thing is that culturally, I think drinking in Korea has different. How do I say this? So like, there's a thing in America where people are supposed to drink together, but then not become too drunk, right? And that is not a norm out here. So basically, Americans culturally will judge each other even though you're both basically taking a drug, which is alcohol. So someone might like get emotional or mm-hmm. get upset. And so that's sort of, if if you think about it from that respect, it's actually kind of a weird thing culturally that Americans do.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, or if you're feeling kind of drunk, you're not supposed to act like it unless you're with your really good friends. Right. But in Korea, um, first of all, a lot of conflicts are resolved over these drinking get togethers. So like, if there's like, you can't, you can't, like I've never seen a fight or an argument on in a production setting ever, but I've seen an argument or a fight at a because that's the appropriate time to do it because then you have the excuse that you were drunk, and then that's where that that stuff's supposed to come out. Does that make sense
0: yeah yeah i um i I think it is it to bring it back to like just you know, the casting thing is that I, I think, you know, Starcraft especially is very good about always going to the, the hotel lobby after, right. you know, the, the, the day of, of broadcasting for a little bit. And then at the end of the actual uh, tournament, you know, yeah, we all you know get pretty drunk, but like, I think it's, it's one of those things where it feels like you can finally like let loose and, and let it all out. And there's sure. a little bit of like a, a vent, you know, um. which if you're, if you're cool, like the venting can be, you know, criticizing, but overall still so helpful but if you're if you're not cool then maybe maybe it can be a problem but it so far hasn't been a problem as far as i know anyways well also koreans Kore- do everything this.
1: together so it's mm-hmm. like like it, when you have americans in a bar like let's say we, we finish the blizzcon broadcast right we don't all drink the same drink in the bar right maybe you have a beer and Dan has a glass of wine, and I have like uh i don't know a gin tonic or whatever they we, we everybody has a different drink in Korea. everybody has well they don't always have a beer, but they're always taking shots of soju right, and everybody's supposed to have them together so you're you're seeing people drink all together, so if they've all drank too much, then they're all drunk. <laughs> does that make sense Whereas, yeah,
0: well you're all you're all on it together on every shot so. <laughs> yeah, and you're
1: also eating all the same food together, so it's a very communal yeah. thing but I think also, um, out in Korea, if someone were to make a fool of themselves, they just won't talk about it the next day. Right. You're, you're sort of in some kind of a weird safe zone culturally when you're, when you're doing it. Now, if you were a terrible person to drink with over and over and over, then they probably, I don't know what happens with that. Cause I don't, yeah. I don't like actually work in a company, yet, but I, I would imagine there's, you know, I don't know what happens, but yeah, yeah
0: exactly. But it's it's still kind of funny. Like I feel like you your personality also really meshed with Korea. I mean, this this actually like I love this aspect of Korean culture. You know, the idea that you can go after a show to a Seven Eleven, sit outside, and and sh- take shots until six in the morning if that's really what you wanted to do. Right, right. That's fantastic. But I, I think it also like you know in a weird way it also has imbued itself with the StarCraft Two scene in that we we always are going after the show. You know, if we go to Korea, Tase is always like, "Come with me, guys. We're going to go to the." the Korean fried chicken place right, around it's the corner. A fried chicken hangout. Uh, yeah, ex- exactly. Um, and it, it really has created this, like this, this level of, I guess, of camaraderie that maybe the other scenes don't necessarily have as a, as a, as a focus point, but it feels like a focus point. You know, we don't, we don't go into rehearsals and then afterwards get our notebooks and study, um, with each other or alone. We, we all talk about the event while we're having drinks, so right. it's kind of just this like it's just it's part of the <clears throat> culture to to enjoy Starcraft and the tournament we're going to cast and not, you know, bring this into a, a, a suit and tie type of scenario where it's just like you show up, you do your job and then you leave. And and were you the best one or not? No, it's like everyone getting together and it's a bit of a party. So it really has worked out quite well. And I think it is kind of reflecting into, you know, what you and, and, and Dan have been able to do and with Korean culture and in Korea, like getting uh, I think that confirmation or that. Experience—I don't know what to call it—but yeah, it really does work quite well with with esports. I think um certainly it's my preference. I would hate to go into another esport and then be that that weird like we're going to go to the hotel lobby and then everyone's like, "No, we're yeah. good."
1: Yeah, no, I'm good. And then they just—they all go, "Yeah, nobody it's hangs weird. out. Nobody has." <laughs> I think also our fun is pretty tame usually too. You know, yeah. So uh we're yeah. not super
0: crazy. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? We're not super crazy. No, no usually anyways. No. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's actually one of my favorite things about starcraft but anyway so to so bring up more into, into casting i mean how, how important do you think it is actually you say that you always go to these things that you find it important to go to these things do you think that's the case for everyone you know like I, i've talked to other like nate for instance one of his, his, his biggest advice to me when i first got my uh the wcs job that i did was actually just to like hang out with people and you know be casual with people and and bring a good vibe to the show as opposed to thinking really hard about what I was going to say or what I was going to bring or whatever, do you think that is the most important aspect of a show of a cast? Is is that vibe? You know, I think I think the most important thing in a, in a cast
1: beyond obviously like, do you know the players? Do you know the game? I mean that's, that that's obvious, right? So like right. that's not even like an interesting point to to point out. But like to like have in, enjoy what you're doing. If you're enjoying what you're doing the people that are watching it are going to enjoy it. You know, like occasionally if I feel like I'm not casting well, I have to think, okay, am I having fun? Because like I'm here with Dan. We usually make jokes. Like I need to figure out how to have fun. I need to figure out a reason to be excited. And I think um, because live TV is stressful, a lot of people end up thinking so much about what they're going to say and do that then they get up there and they're stiff as a board. You know, and they're not having fun, and they're just not exciting. You know, to 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 watch. So I would say, um, yeah, I think it's important to, to to just be excited to be there and and to and to be thinking about how you can make it entertaining. I think that's one of the key things, and I think Nate's advice is is very good. I mean, the last thing you want to do is when you finish the cast, go to your room and sit and watch VODs and don't see anybody else. You know, I mean, obviously you should review stuff, of course, but, you know, hang out with people and, you know, you can get a lot of good feedback too from your co-hosts or like, you know, I've found, I've said things I didn't think were that funny and people think it's like the funniest thing ever. And then there's things that I thought was really funny and cool. And like, nobody even remembers I did it and I go, oh, okay. You know?
0: Yeah. Hey, well, do you do VOD review? Do you?
1: sometimes i do uh it depends on so it's kind of weird um occasionally i'm going back over like the the last like 10 years of starcraft 2 right um i had some events that i was really stressed out at early on like i think since i've worked with you you saw me probably at my best because i've been doing it for so long like i'm just not stressed out at events i'm actually excited um but i've i've had events where like you know the sound we couldn't there, there was an event uh, the, the most recent nightmare event i had was a blizzcon finals where we could never get the sound right for me so i couldn't hear dan or he would cut in and out and i did a finals um barely hearing anything Artosa said it was my worst finals cast ever fucking nightmare right um and i've been warning them for like over a week like you guys got to fix this i'm really serious like this is going to be bad i don't think people are paying attention to the cast right now but if i can't hear what dan's saying it's just like i'm gonna wait for my turn to talk i might say what he just said
0: right
1: because especially early on in esports there were a lot of sound issues getting audio into all these different you know it's going out to the stream then it has to play on a stage then it has to be okay in my headset for the volumes i need then it has to also be okay in Dan's and it, there's just, there's a lot uh, to get sorted. And so I knew that if I went back and watched my VODs where I couldn't hear myself or couldn't hear Dan and try to watch that, it would freak me out. You know what I mean? Cause I would know how much I would hate how it looked and that would be a blow to my confidence. So I've definitely had periods where I'm like, okay, I know there's a, like, if I know exactly why there's a problem, like, um, I once worked with a producer who just kept talking in my ear and, I'm, and you know, I was just getting thrown off and I could feel I was getting angry. Um, and I know I probably looked mad. This was like a long time ago, but I don't need to go back and watch that because I know what the issue was. But, um, if it's a problem where I'm not sure or, I, or I'm like, was that as good as I thought it was? Or was that not good? Then I can go back and look at it. Um, I don't review everything that I do. What I'll do usually is like um, a GSL VOD. I'll click through like five different parts and watch for a couple minutes. Or like look for a part that I remembered specifically and see how that sounded. Um, yeah. So that, that's usually how I do it. Yeah. I'm going to review I mean, my stuff.
0: It's uh similar thinking to what I have actually too, is that I, I, know when i make a mistake so i don't think i need to to watch a vod to be like oh yeah i, I said that wrong or I, I stuttered or something like that right but if it was like a decent cast and i'm like oh i think that was all right i'm gonna i'm gonna listen back especially for things where i what i'm trying to to learn in these vod reviews personally is like am i delivering what i think i'm delivering because the way that we yeah. sound is just like not actually what's what's being put out there when we open our mouth so right right um that's that's one of the biggest problems. I think it's the best thing that Vaud does is you you listen back and you go, oh, that's not how I meant to phrase that or or deliver that with the tone and oh okay,
1: yeah I, I get it yeah or or like I've I've had it where I realize I think I'm like staring at the camera but it, and, and I look like I'm there but I actually almost have like more of a blank look on my face and I think oh, okay I'm not like holding my face right I don't know there's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stuff like that it, it, but yeah. as long as I'm in I'm in the right headspace to do it I'll do it.
0: Mm-hmm. right yes that's the other thing is yeah. that no one likes watching themselves or, or listening yeah. to themselves really so you do have to be in the in the right headspace and i mean have you and uh, and artosis ever like sat down together and did any conversations about your casts or you know pre or post cast
1: oh all the time i mean i don't think we've ever actually sat together and watched our cast together i think that's literally never happened but Uh, If I, there's something I think he needs to do or I need to do, we'll just bring it up on break. But Dan's very good at feedback. Like he doesn't take it personally and he doesn't mess him up. You know, I've cast with people where I give him some, like a little bit of feedback and I can see it like has completely ruined the rest of the show now, you know, is (laughs) there, it's, it's too much of a hit to their ego. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's usually very short and simple though. Like, Oh, I think you're running over me here or you're saying this, but actually that's not what that word means. It means this, or, yeah. something like that, you know.
0: <laughs> I feel like you and Artosis bring that up on the cast. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes we do for sure. <laughs> and you're like, "What do you think that means?" <laughs> I don't know. Um anyways it could be funny. But I I um it's one of those uh things that like I don't think StarCraft 2 actually does a whole lot of is is like a communal like feedback session. We have our debriefs at the end of the tournaments, but then that's usually just the producer coming in and be like, "Sorry about the sound problem." you guys did great and then, and then we all leave, right? It's not really, it's not really a feedback session, but it's always been the case that if you tackle it as something that's improving the show, you know, it's like we're in this together type thing, it's always going to be better, but it is nonetheless awkward. You know, I, I've definitely had problems with co-casters where they're definitely talking over me or they're definitely not listening to me. I will say yeah. something and they'll say the yeah. exact same thing. And I I really have no idea how to how to, how to broach a conversation, you know, and to hear that you guys just kind of casually do it. I'm just like, must be like a relationship thing or maybe i'm not strong enough i don't i don't know man i don't mm-hmm. know how to do it
1: well i mean I've, I've i've casted with people where like right when we're on break i'm like you are talking over me
0: you i'm like just so just you know like, right you're you're
1: talking over me oh. you haven't looked at me this entire time
0: mm-hmm.
1: like um this was maybe like two years ago i cast with somebody but i just said you have to understand you're always going to know when i'm done talking or like if i, I had a, a broadcast where i said Sometimes I'll ask a question out loud and the co the person will think I'm asking them and I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, why would he do that? Because he wants to do this, but I'll say, why did I do that? And then they'll like they'll blurt out something. Oh, no, no, no. So, you know, for for me, um, I had a, somebody I was casting with where I said, you just, you need to look at me. You're going to know when I'm done talking, you know, I'm not just saying stuff and then I just run out and it's like, you got to grab on like my hands are yeah. off the wheel. Now you're going to drive the car. It's not going to be like that. But yeah, I mean, I think you got to be able to give feedback. Um, and I think anybody who's taking the job seriously should be receptive to it. I mean, I've had feedback from people where I'm like, I don't think that's right. Or I don't think I'm doing that. But OK, I'll try, right. you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I don't think I've actually gotten any um, during a show. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those general things where, like, you know, people ask me, have you ever gotten feedback during a show from, like, your, your director or something? I'm like, no, because I'm pretty sure they know that if they're going to come, if they're going to be like, he's not going to talk to you, it's already like that sinking feeling. You well also like i mean it's, it's, it's one of
1: these things like <laughs> i've i've had it where uh you know back back when when jeff was still with us we'll be like me and dan and jeff we'd be making a bunch of jokes and then somebody thinks they need to come out there and be like hey guys you're having fun but you know and it's like we know like we're not gonna forget we're casting starcraft okay like i, I yeah maybe we made a joke about this for too long okay but we're we're trying to do some improv comedy here that's funny Okay, we don't, you, your input's not, it's not going to help. Like, right. we'll all realize we stayed on some dumb point for too long, or, you know, we made this thing too awkward. But that's, that's why you're paying us is to, to trust us to just do this. So I don't know what, how uh, other places do it. I mean, I've heard of, I mean, and I, I, again, I'm not anti-feedback, but I think the feedback has to be useful, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, it's a big point uh, as well as like how to get feedback and, and how to kind of like sh- shift, uh, sift through the feedback as well is is kind of difficult.
1: Um, well also, I mean, you want to be very careful about going online, right? Because then, I mean, like, on, like Reddit feedback, you can make yourself fucking crazy and have the time they don't even get, you know, what you said, right. They've never worked in production. They don't, you know, so you gotta be like, I tend to just avoid online feedback almost entirely.
0: Right. And is that ever, I mean, so when you do, when you say that, do you really mean that like you've never even like looked around for like uh, trends or, or like there interesting was There was things? three years I
1: didn't open the Reddit, wow. StarCraft Reddit.
0: Oh, um,
1: okay. I mean, now I can go back there. I can check it. Uh, but I mean, if there was some kind of real trend, somebody would tell me anyways. Right. But um, I found when I first started doing casting in starcraft 2 there was so much feedback that i wasn't used to and i didn't know how to parse it because i wasn't confident in my craft yet so instead of it being like oh i can improve on this i'm like becoming a fucking crazy person or i'm getting anxiety you know or i'm like wow people really hate me i really tried my best there and so it wasn't actually helpful at all
0: right yeah it's very difficult for find it helpful through all the online feedback because, as you said, people don't even get it correct a lot of the time. Like, I don't know how many times I've actually gone in because it, it basically bothers me when it's about other casters. Uh, of course, like I can deal with mine and, and be angry and that's fine. But when someone is like, oh, this other caster said something wrong, I am I am I am, I am right there. Tasteless. I am on the Internet being like, OK, yeah, find the clip. Let me let, let's like I've even seen weird stuff
1: where, like dance is a really funny joke and everybody says that I said it. and i'm like what like i don't think we sound that similar and i don't know um but usually you're not gonna get unless you're like a very very early uh, like you've never done any audio recordings before most online feedback's not that useful yeah like if you're a person who says um every other second and somebody says you say um too much okay that's that's actually some good feedback but
0: yeah it's I think there's you can find some trends earlier on, I guess maybe you're right about that maybe it's one of the, like the things that you you can do when you're newer to the craft because I feel like when I was newer, I did find some trends that I ultimately agreed with, you know like a lot of it wasn't put nicely, but I was you know if if enough people say something even though it's it's not you know well executed like it might actually be true it's time to reevaluate but I haven't really had that feeling in the uh, last couple of years basically where I'm like oh the, right. the general vibe of this community um is something i need to consider it's it's never really been that way in fact And i don't know if this is ego i'm sure someone out there would be like oh it's because you have more ego and whatnot but I, I actually feel like more and more i'm like oh you don't understand what we're trying to do what the director is telling us what what my focus was right there like you don't you don't actually come from a place that um has enough knowledge about this to, to actually take seriously where i think before it was very much like oh this one guy said a thing I have to take into consideration what that guy said, plus that guy, plus that guy, plus that guy. I think also meeting
1: feedback is very weird versus if you meet somebody and they give Mm. you feedback face to face, like sometimes just talking to somebody, I can go, oh, this is a person I should take serious, seriously or not, Uh, you know, or like, you know, I could read something (laughs) that could be very hurtful. But if I saw the face and the person it was attached to, I'd be like, oh, I don't care yeah you know okay. you know it's it's and that's gonna sound probably kind of arrogant but i i think it is kind of true where it is yeah
0: maynard says that like every time he reads some of these comments he like said so, he like has an accent with it i forget which accent yeah. he, he uses but like some like southern you know doofus kind of accent mm-hmm. where it's like oh he does the uh it's from uh king of the hill it's like well i'll tell you what like oh, that type yeah. of accent. <laughs> and when he does that it's actually like you know it doesn't yeah. You know, and I've I, I this is something that just is like one of those Internet things that you have to get used to. Right. Like you read something in some other totally not related to this conversation at all. But one person will be like, I, I think, you know, I think Trump has a correct opinion here. And you're like, well, this guy might be a smart individual who just, you know, critically think thinks on this. That's sounds right. Was critically yeah. thinking on this. And, and maybe he has a point. And then, like, you click on his profile and you look at it, and it's like, you know, the rest of his comments are all, like, racist. And, like
1: Right, you know, and you're, you're like, oh, okay. And you're just like, oh, no, never mind. Insane. Like, I
0: don't, I don't, I to completely disregard that. All right, then. So, yeah, of course, fine, hearing a tone, seeing the person, you know, and, of course, for them, it's also, I think the real life thing is also, um, on the other side of things, is also better, right? Where someone on the internet has just, like, they're not even really thinking that we're going to see this, I think. You know, how many times? Oh, have I think you... for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or I don't know if you did because you don't go, but I've, I've gone to like, you know, <laughs> announcement of ASUS ROG, you know, and it's like, great, cool, it's happening. And then just randomly, some guy's like, I'm so glad Zombie Grub ain't there. And I'm like, <laughs> was fucking I, <laughs> like, like, I have the same
1: <laughs> internet as you, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so when they are forced to actually confront you as a real person, I think their feedback also gets to be a, more, a bit more pointed and, and actually, um, Helpful, but right, of course, I think most of us are looking more towards feedback to other people or just looking at at things that we would like to copy and and uh you know people that we look up to, so you said earlier on that you looked up to uh d j wheat and you actually learned a lot from from him back in the early days. uh what did you learn from him, and what were you mostly struggling with when it came to to becoming a commentator to making a full time job? what were you trying to focus on
1: so I had um I was hired to do some StarCraft casting. I think I was in, this is my first time I worked in Korea. Um, I, I, did, I did a gig like a, a, where I was here for a week long before I moved here. There's a, so the first time I was in Korea, I was actually working under DJ Weed. And I remember um, I was going to cast some StarCraft at this event, but it was like that would be like two and a half hours of work. And so he, he had a side gig he wanted me to do, which was a camera guy who was going to follow me around. And I had a microphone and they wanted me to just kind of be like i'm over here this is like 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 a reporter i guess and be like look it's starcraft ghost you know this is like back when they had starcraft ghost might come out on xbox and i'm like whoa that's so uh and basically kind of run around and maybe interview some people cuz they needed extra content and i i was so bad i was so, <laughs> I, I didn't know how to do it like it was one of those things where like i hold the microphone and like the camera guys walking back slowly and i'm kind of like doing one of these reporter like wow we're in korea and this is like where starcraft really you know it all started here and and we would like he would start filming me and i would start trying to do this filler thing and i would fuck up and be like okay i'm sorry i we got to do it again cuz it was all it was all b-roll right it's not going out live
0: right
1: and i remember i i, I tried for like an hour to do this like 60 second like off the cuff thing just to help them make content, and it was just terrible. And I eventually, I looked at the camera guy. I'm like, I can't do it, man. And I was, I was really young. I was like, 20, you know. And I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I didn't know they wanted me to do I And he's like, No, it's okay, man. Don't worry. Uh, I'll just tell you know, Marcus. We, we couldn't get anything. And then I basically th- that next morning I went to him. And I said, I don't, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do this. If, if if I'm not talking about, if I'm not in a game, I don't know how to riff. Um, and then he was like. Tell me, you know, he said, so he took the mic for me. He said, Ask me anything. And I said, Tell me about your breakfast. And he just started riffing into the camera about breakfast for like two minutes about what he had and why what he, he thought about getting McDonald's, but he didn't. And then he's like, That's all you have to do. It's just, it, it, it was, it, it, that might sound kind of weird, this story, but it was actually very helpful where I'm like, Oh, i'm overthinking it right like i just need to be like we're here in korea i'm actually a guy that grew up with starcraft i can't believe i'm here and we're here with starcraft ghost by the way just behind me take a look at that i haven't had a chance to play it yet and you know what i'm saying and i I,
0: like
1: him showing me that was very helpful and then also kind of just seeing how these events operate um and the stresses that you have occasionally with like you know production company dealing with the venue or there's the publisher they wanted this and the They didn't quite get it. So that was a lot of what I I learned from there. But I think the biggest thing I learned from him specifically was just, oh, there's somebody who's doing this for a living. This kind of this content, there's there's an appetite for it. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe this is something I can do in the future.
0: Okay, I mean, I think that's uh, what it it really is. Usually it's it's uh, the idea of having something that's written down and you're trying to, like, say it word by word. And then uh, the difference of that and actually just like as you said, like riffing, but like uh, just...
1: I didn't know how to riff. I mean, the thing is yeah. like the same thing, like with me trying to get GSL, as I said, we don't need writers. Right. Like we don't have time to have somebody with a teleprompter do this. We just, need, we need to do this as cheaply and as quickly as possible. So we need somebody who can riff.
0: Right. Yeah. And
1: vamp and talk and all that.
0: Yeah. And it's, uh, it does work out a bit better. I've tried doing the um the pre-prepared speech as well. And it just like, it, it uh, sometimes it's okay, but Usually, I think it is about finding a confidence and in just in just talking. <laughs> just yeah, being I mean, casual. I,
1: I I know some people that will, like, try to really, like, have the script written out, like, especially right when, like, a cast opens, and it. I don't find that it's helpful. I find yeah. that people trip up, and, and every time I feel like I've casted my best when a show opens, it's just me talking. I already know roughly what I'm going to say, and I'm going to figure out the right way to say it as I do it. Yeah, just like when I'm casting and I'm seeing what's happening, I should I should kind of flow out of me correctly.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's it sounds very unhelpful, I think, to people who are listening and being like, "Oh, I, I struggled." You know, if you have that confidence on camera, but it, it it really is just about real, like realizing that's what people want to hear, anyways. So if you're already commentating and now you're kind of put into this like a host role or an interview role or something like that, people just want to hear you be casual and like they just want to see you be 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 normal. So if if that's what you can do, then it is going to work out better, but you know telling people hey just calm down like almost uh it doesn't work in any context i think (laughs)
1: it's so weird to say it's like when you don't give a fuck it's the best like i do give a fuck i do and i am trying but when i'm actually just relaxed and 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 i'm do and i'm kind of in the zone i'm fine but yeah it's it's hard for people to get used to being on camera or uh, being judged for public speaking so right yeah i think that's a skill you kind of build as you do it for a long time.
0: Yeah, and it's a skill that you build up as well, just, just doing whatever form of speaking you, that you can find. I mean, if you're doing YouTube videos, then fine. If you're actually working with a, a another co-caster to 12 people, that's also like, it's, it's all going to give you some confidence so that hopefully when the big thing comes, when the big stage comes, I mean, it, it's going to be daunting at first like it always is, but it's really not going to be that big of a deal. You know that you can do these things and you've acquired enough experience that suddenly when the moment comes, you're just like, you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna say next. Okay, I'm thinking about it. I'm following through. I'm speaking while I'm thinking, and okay, there it is. I found it. I'm gonna go with it. Let's do this. Like it 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 does happen. Um, because I think that mo a lot of people coming into esports actually come from kind of this like nerd to the public speaker thing, where so many of them were like, Oh, I was kind of shy, I I didn't like public speaking. Um, you know, and I, I just liked this game a lot. So I learned how to speak about it. And that's what Artosis's story is. But you, you and, and your brother, day nine, are, are just very outgoing people. <laughs> there seems to be a bit of, of natural talent there. Uh, your mother as well is a very outgoing, very nice yeah. person. Um, very social so,
1: people for sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, did you ever like think about this? Did you and your brother ever talk about these type of stuff when he was a, a StarCraft II commentator, obviously, um, and how to like you know bring in, bring enjoyment to the the crowd? Or did you not really talk about like the technical aspect?
1: I don't think we've ever talked about it. And- I mean, I um, I when I was in college and I started realizing how much my university actually costs because I started like getting a job and being like, "Oh, how much do I'm I gonna owe?" Uh, I I realized I need to try to figure out how to get a scholarship, and so I went um and convinced the school to put me on the debate team, oh, and I got a half scholarship for that, but I didn't I didn't know how to do debate. And so I kind of winged that, but doing the debate stuff, um, I think it helped me build the confidence and just sort of having to try to go up there and try to talk. So that was helpful. I think debate definitely taught me how to organize my thoughts, or like I know when I'm actually done talking about something. I don't just kind of talk in circles about one thing. Um, and so that was quite helpful. But I don't know. I mean, when it came to Starcraft, I never felt like I wasn't confident in in, in speaking because it was such it was so much part of me and this is all before there were big tournaments for starcraft 2 or anything i just was playing the game all the time so uh i think i had a lot of confidence in that because like if if somebody didn't like me or like who's this guy it's like they can go fuck themselves this is all i do is play this game <laughs> who are they you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah which i i feel has been uh um an attitude that is, has that is, that is certainly helped more than it's ever hurt and is consistent yeah. throughout the years. I feel like I've talked to you. I've heard other people talk to you and you just like, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah. I heard this, this, the opinion that I think was wrong and you don't, you don't, <laughs> it, it's very like, uh, I don't know how to say like calming to talk to, to you tasteless. Like when you're <laughs> just kind of like, Oh, I'm kind of uncertain in my life. Like, I don't know what you know, this one guy said yeah, something and I don't know. You're just like, ah, fuck that. Like, you know, do, yeah, whatever, do whatever. And it's just like, it's an oddly comforting thing because you are coming from such a, a long, you know, experience in this scene is, is tremendous. So. I think I
1: sound like a dick when I say it though. I hope it doesn't <laughs> be taken the wrong way. I'm not like No. I've I just found so. that it's like Thank you. Appreciate it. This is my refrigerator's behind me. It doesn't show up on my stream, but Yeah. When we when we moved here I couldn't get the the other half of my apartment, this refrigerator won't go through because the doors are made too small in this building. So like this is supposed to just be a room for streaming, but now it's also like part of the kitchen. <laughs> and so uh <laughs> my girlfriend was getting something out of there and she grabbed me a beer too while she was doing it um no i mean look i think that people can get worked up and destroyed reading negative feedback and sometimes the feedback's not true and then people have sort of weird ideas about like oh who's this person why are they there or, i mean so i think it's important to kind of love yourself and, and and be confident in what you're doing and especially not get sucked into bullshit that is not even necessarily true or especially not helpful right
0: yes exactly it just it's it's very conflicting. i feel like um you know jeff was also very good at this where he was he, i you know realist really did describe him you know i wouldn't say yeah. he was a pessimist but he was a realist and but it, it was a, a type of realism that gave you confidence you know if, if 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 he was the one being like i don't know where starcraft 2 is in the future like most people would, would be like oh my god if he doesn't even know like oh jesus yeah, but he would say in such a way, with such you know, like a like a you no, know, like you know that that kind of sucks. I'll be sad about it, but there's other things that are happening, and and he was just extraordinarily nice to people as well. And he really sat down and talked to him. That it was, it was this like positive realism that right. really was quite helpful to people who were newer to the scene, like like I was, and I, I think you you kind of have that. Uh, sometimes in a more outrageous oh, way because we usually like drinking at 7-Eleven when we talk about these things <laughs> but but still like it's it's the same thing though where it's like well i mean this guy has done all these things and he's clearly up at the status and it, if he says this thing then well maybe I, I should stop you know being so anxious about it uh as well so i mean it's it, it's really worked out well i just wanted to throw it in there you definitely don't sound like a dick at least not to me but maybe <laughs> <to> <laughs> <now> outsiders <laughs> well thank you i usually
1: like i'll say it and i'll just be like Jesus, Nick, <laughs> this could really sound much worse than it is. But nah. I think it's sort nah. of like if you're a comedian, you have to know how to deal with hecklers.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, like you can't like you can't be trying to, you know, work the room and then somebody goes boo and you go like, you don't like it. <laughs> you don't think I'm funny. You know, you can't do that. Right. It's
0: yeah.
1: Some of that is I think, uh, applies here as well, where it's like you're going to have haters. You don't need to engage it. You don't need to let that rule you. I don't feel like I even have a lot of haters, but I know that experience, you know?
0: Right, yeah. I mean, going with the flow is very important um, as as a human, but also in the in the casting role and, and also in the hosting role, which, you know, you, we talked about hosting, and we always use that kind of term a bit interchangeably, but, you know, when we talk about a duo cast, the host is like a leader. Um, you actually did hosting hosting. You did desk hosting, uh, as far as I know, just once, right? Right. Um, For... IEM maybe or, or DreamHack I don't remember, but
1: I did two. I did one in Romania, oh, and I did uh, one in LA for the BlizzCon finals. Oh, okay. And I think okay. they I I had been asked to do the, like basically what Claris does is what we're talking about yes. when we talk about hosting. Like they had asked me a couple times to do it, and I kept saying like I don't want to do it. I want to cast, or I said I would say, can I cast the finals? And they're Like no, it really is a different job. Um, and so I did it the first time in Romania, and the feedback was really, really good. Yeah. And, um, that was, yeah, that was for Dream Hack. And it, it, I had a lot of fun, and I felt like I was able to give the guys shit and kind of have fun with the crowd and everything. And I then I thought, and then they offered it, uh, Blizzard offered it to me for, for the BlizzCon finals. This is like five years ago or four years ago or something like that. Um, and I said yes, and it was a it was a total fucking nightmare because oh. like they they put me in the middle. And so like they had two people on my right and two people on my left. And, um, I, now if you see the way they set up hosting jobs, they're on the end of the desk so they could see everybody. But it was like, I had a PD talking in my ear and it was like, Todd wanted to talk over here, but then apparently Roddy's looking at me and you know, we kept, <laughs> cu- we kept having to throw to breaks, um, or huh. the game would get delayed. And, 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 um, I didn't enjoy it at all. Like, I, I thought I got through it, but I just thought, oh, I'm not. I prefer to cast. So yeah. I did do some hosting. Um, I did try uh, doing that for the BlizzCon finals. It was hard. Uh, I think someone like Clarice is much better at it than me. But, um, yeah, I've, I've been offered it before, and I'm like, I really just want to just cast over this, you know?
0: Yeah. So that, that, I mean, that's the the main reason, but it also sounds like you had one decent experience and one terrible one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And the the truth is, is that the hosting gigs are a lot of work. I mean, not that I don't want to work or anything like that, but it's like, you got to open the show every break. You got to be there. You got to be there at the end. Um, And obviously that, that, that's fine. But I, I like kind of like really pouring a lot of energy into a cast. Um Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I like being hype in games, I guess. Is is what I'm getting yeah. at. I like I would be kind of bummed out. Like I'm like, "All right, well that was fun. We we did a good segment, and then I got to go sit down and everybody else is casting the game and I'm like, oh." So, yeah. I I I I uh I had a good time doing it. It was definitely a good experience as a an entertainer trying that out, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the host role is very like it's like it's like spikes. Like you have to like be yeah. very very on point for like 5 minutes and get what, you know, what you want to say out there perfectly and you can't really you can't correct mistakes as a host which I actually have found very frustrating like um if you're having a banter then yeah you can correct mistakes but if you like throw (laughs) and you're just like we'll be right back and you mess that up it's kind of weird to to correct it afterwards so it's very like I find it oddly stressful and yet oddly not stressful I mean it, it is definitely a different experience and a different work set uh preparing for that that role as well but you did do a really great job. I I don't oh, actually remember the BlizzCon one. To be honest, I don't remember that setup at that all. Might be good
1: for me then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, actually,
1: only remember I, my I, best I, stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe I only watched the, uh, the the final weekend or something. I don't know. But I, I remember the one where like everyone was like really praising you, and I, I thought it was a very very good job. But then I heard that yeah, you didn't really care for the role. But with that experience, I mean, you've done a couple other esports just casually. You know, I've heard you cast in PUBG a couple months mm-hmm. ago and. Um, there's that weird, like, ESG or whatever the hell that thing was called, like, years and years ago. Oh, ESGN. Oh, is that what it is? With like, Yeah, in Berlin, faves, right? Like, I did Street Fighter stuff. 4 there? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've done a couple of different things, but... Right. I mean, is there any thought to, like, actually, like, trying to really do another esport or ex- expanding your roles as an entertainer to fit some other possible job? Well, um... I mean, I actually was
1: going to try to host my own little event that was going to be like the holiday bash here, but there's COVID, so I actually had to cancel it. It would have been like two days from now. Oh, man. So I was going to try to be more in charge of an event and then cast it and host it. But I I mean, nobody's able to have fun right now with COVID, right? So boo-hoo me. <laughs> um, but I, I, uh, I just did the Crossfire World Finals. Crossfire is kind of like a... Um, it's like Counter Strike, but very low tier graphics. It's popular in countries like Indonesia and Egypt and Brazil, where there's a lot of people that want to play esports games, but they don't have higher end computers. Um, I've done a bunch of different titles. I mean, there's some I definitely enjoyed more than others. I would, I, I'm not against picking up any new game if I'm enjoying it, basically. So, I mean, I, I want to do as much Starcraft as I can for as long as I can, and so far kept this con going for a while but uh i mean if there's another game like let's pretend there's some new game we don't know about that comes out and i want to do it then yeah i'd be open to doing that too
0: yeah it's very much focusing on the on the the near future uh as as most of us do i think it's really difficult to look three years in the future and try to guess what's happening
1: You, you kind of take it year by year and kind of see where stuff's at and and yeah i mean you know i've I, I get a lot of job offers out here. I've been offered League of Legends several times to do out here. I just am not interested in the game.
0: Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I could make good... the my next question. Yeah I, yeah. I could
1: make good money doing it. And I've, I've turned it down every time there was, I think one time I did a one-off like nine years ago for like, w- like, I think it was like a few days of League of Legends. This was again, when the game was very new, like Starcraft two, but um, I'm not a league guy. I don't have like any beef with the game or anything, but it's not for me. And, I think there's other people out here that would do a better job than me so i definitely turn a lot of other work down
0: okay yeah so it's i mean it, it is available though you you, you feel like your your reputation precedes you type thing you haven't actually had to to go out and talk to people they've, they've been so far coming into your inbox
1: That's yeah yeah cool. they'll call me or you know the, so yeah i mean I've, I've, I've had other offers i've had offers to leave korea and go work other places too but I like what I'm doing here now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's an awesome city. I wouldn't live in Korea if I, if I could. It's a good to place to live.
1: I'm very happy yeah.
0: here. Yeah. Um, so did you ever like look into the technical aspects of, of, of commentary and on-camera work? Did you ever work with anyone who was maybe in a more traditional side of, of doing it? Did you do any voice coaching? or? I, I did have
1: voice coaching. Oh, um, yeah, okay. My friend, who's a, he's a musician, or he's a musician in college, he has actually he works out here as a voice actor, he helped me get my voice a little bit under control. My voice was more nasally. I don't know if I'm doing it right now, because I think when I'm not casting, I think I sound a little bit different. But um, yeah, just getting better voice control. Uh, other than that, I try to find shows where it's either like radio or, or like podcast, for instance, or... For, for for voice control it'd be radio or podcast for the way people hold themselves. I'll watch a bunch of different news shows or or and just kind of see how people carry themselves. Um spent a lot of time on our cringe or I used to like watching really cringy stuff happen on camera <laughs> and be like, okay, how would I have handled that? You know? Um But yeah. no no real professional help, no.
0: no. Yeah. Was there ever a phase though where you were like, I I mean, what has your focus been for uh these these g s l shows I mean is it like thirty percent technical execution, forty percent having fun and then you know thirty percent knowing the game or or is it all about just putting on a show that everyone enjoys? Did you ever try and push one particular segment you know again, like you know the knowledge of the game, the technical shout casting or has it always been kind of just like a casual let's bring our best energy to the show
1: well i mean definitely always bring the best energy so i you know whenever i'm doing any of these shows i don't want people giving me bad news like right before i go live right because that can mess me up um i mean it depends on what the game gives me right i mean if if the game becomes very interesting and technical then i can explore that right if the game becomes and you know we you've you know this for sure like You'll have days where it's like, well, these games are very textbook. They're 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 not extraordinary, and these are probably games I won't remember casting later, and the viewer might not remember watching. So then I have to figure out, okay, so is there something super meta I can talk about? Can I try to find something unique? Like think about it like this: How many times do you actually talk in in one game that you cast? I don't I don't actually know the answer, but like is it thirty times? Is it one hundred and ten times? I don't know. But each time you talk, you better have something really fucking good or setting something up. Or when I really can't think of something, let me try to ask Dan a question. If you listen to the GSL, there's a lot of times when we'll just ask the other person a question. Do you think that, I can't think, but if there was a game in front of me, this would be easier to do. But, um, you know, and try to utilize that time every time. Like, there's definitely times where I see the Reaper is not going to kill a Zergling and it's going to go away. Sometimes I just don't talk about that at all, right? Maybe I'll try to be funny with Dan or I'll try to talk about the history of these two players. Um, But what I'm trying to do always is use all of my energy and all of the ideas that I have inside me to make each time I talk or each time I'm doing anything that it's really contributing. Does that make sense? Like every time it's got to be something. And sometimes uh, I, I pull it off and other times it's not that good, you know. But I'm I'm always trying to do that. And so I I, I don't break it down the way that you said where it's like, is it 30% technical or 40%? Um, this, I mean, there's times where I think Dan and me, we're not that funny in any part of the GSL. Like maybe we have a couple moments that we're all right, but we don't look at it and be like, we we were really funny today but maybe our technical knowledge was there or there's games where the games themselves aren't that technical. So we try to have fun, but mostly it's about trying to get everything out of each show that we can. So if there's a delay, how do we have fun during the delay? Are the games going to be short? How do we make sure we maximize how entertaining this is in a short game? Do we have a long game? How can I make this long game exciting? What can I pay attention to all that?
0: Yeah, the, the least amount of filler possible, the least amount of just talking because you need to talk. Yes.
1: The moment I find myself, and, I, and I'll still catch myself doing it where I'm like, oh, I guess I'm supposed to be talking now. You know? Um yeah. And I don't feel like I have anything to say. Um, I need to start figuring out how to make this interesting. Because I've definitely seen just esports casters. There's people that just think, all right, it's my turn to kind of almost like a rhythm game, like say things that happened on the screen. And then they're like, oh, hot potato. Now you take it, you know? And the guy's like, oh, he reloaded the gun and he did this and that. And he went to the B side and, you know, and it's like, okay, well, this isn't actually, this is like a cast for the blind or something. This isn't actually interesting. Um, And so for, I know Dan and me, we try to explore ideas as much as possible have fun occasionally have just simple conversations you yeah. know what did you do this week you know there's absolutely nothing to say yeah
0: so how much do you think the uh you know the analysis is important in a, in a broadcast the actual like breaking down of the build orders and you know showcasing what the differences are between game to game
1: I think it's important I think you got to be careful about Really early on in StarCraft, I realized if I got two, and this is StarCraft one, so this is before I was actually, but before StarCraft two was, I, we even knew it was going to be out, right? When I was picking up these tiny gigs going overseas, I would cast in front of fairly big audiences and I would immediately see that if I got into technical jargon, their eyes would glaze over or people would leave. You would literally be casting and see people get up and fucking walk out. Cause it's a big venue. There's other shit to do. And they clearly don't find this. They feel like mm-hmm. this cast isn't for them. Right. So right. if you get too caught up into technical jargon or being like, and now, you know, he's going to make his, his fourth pylon is going to go here. And he's, and you're using, you're using shorthand for a lot of the words. If you're like describing a build order, for instance, um, you, 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 you'll find that you've excluded a huge part of the audience. And you'll find, even if it's something you know really well, even pro gamers of the other races are not that interested in this part. You know? Yeah. So I found that if I if I really casted it like it was to my grandma, or to somebody who just doesn't know a whole lot about games. Now, I think GSL is a little bit different because it's a show that's been out for a long time, so the audience has a certain expectation, but I, I try to not... And actually, Dan and me have talked about this uh, with a StarCraft 1 casting, where occasionally we both, because we're both playing a lot of StarCraft 1 and streaming it right now, to, like, not deep dive so much that it becomes too mm-hmm. technical. Like, go technical, but, like, don't get caught up in it. Yeah, Make sure that this is a cast for everybody.
0: That's interesting. I think, um, you know, most of the, the comments would, they do witness, a, I, I witness a difference as well. I hear a difference between your Brood War and your StarCraft 2 commentary. And I, I like both approaches. Perfectly fine. I think you guys have a you know very good way of explaining these technical things in Brood War. But I think most of the community looks at this and they and they go like, wow, you can clearly tell that they love Brood War more. <laughs> <laughs> and what you're saying is that actually no, that that's a problem that we're we're trying to pull. Yeah, back Yeah, we're actually, from that. we're trying to
1: pull back. Yeah, because oh, that's interesting. Like you, if you hear me talk about a PvP, I'm I'm like literally there trying to farm the fucking builds so I can <laughs> use them. So it's like, right. and then I realized, like, okay, I've, I've actually got it. I'm casting to the point where Dan is bored with me because I'm so nerding out about this very specific thing that <laughs> you would have to be a high B-rank, low A-rank Protoss right. player where it's like, okay, I need to explain the game in a, in a broader sense so that everybody who's watching can appreciate the that. Oh,
0: okay. That's, yeah. okay. Uh, that's, that's very cool, actually. I mean, I think there's marriage to both of them. Sure, um, yeah. And that's why we usually have the analysis plus the play-by-play. But absolutely, there's—I mean—that is the skill. That is what makes like the the pro gamer casts fun every once in a while. But if they want to become a commentator, they have to kind of work on this specific thing. Actually, right. they're going too bogged down in the details, and they can't really bring any bring any flair or break it down in a simplistic method. Um, so that's you know that's yeah it's definitely good occasionally, but but not uh, all the time. And uh, kind of on that. Subject actually, from mm. brood war to starcraft two and your analysis, right you were you know a lot of the analysis you literally went out there and, and helped the guy you didn't know brood war is one of your first uh your first uh jobs, but right so you were actually kind of more so the analysis and then you got paired up with uh artosis, you asked him to cast you and and you kind of just like kind of mesh into this kind of more so he was a little bit more analytical you were a bit more play by play. did you have any growing pains with the play-by-play aspect of of it. Did you ever get uncomfortable being the guy who has to hype it up?
1: No, didn't bother me at all. I mean, I just sort of, you got to think that at the time we were potentially so boned if we didn't get this thing to work, you know, that it was, it was like, I'll do, I'll do anything to get this to work. You know what I mean? I mean, there were periods where we would cast stuff in his house online and like one of us is observing mm-hmm. you know it just and it's like that's all also a nightmare because then you can't look at the other guys so you don't and you're missing okay. stuff all the time because you're observing and you're casting um no i mean we were broke uh in a in a expensive asian mega city with you know so it was like any, any whatever it took it was it was gonna be fine i was never like oh i'm not sure if i'm really in my element here it's like with well, just because back then it was all about survival right um, I mean, now we're comfortable, we do well for ourselves. So, I mean, now, um, I guess, I guess to answer your question. Cause I feel like sometimes I'm rambling a little bit here. Like, no, it was, it was not, um, not an issue at all.
0: So do you ever like, uh, try and do any, any practice on, on these things? Do you ever practice your big GG <laughs> finale? No, <Do> you- <laughs> I've never
1: done that. I mean, what I, what I look at GSL, it is like my dojo, right? Like that's my practice. I have a studio that I can go to that used to have an audience before COVID, but I got an audience I can practice in front of. I mean, the, the the prep for the last... for the next cast was the last cast. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, the apartments out here are too small to go anywhere and scream GG without somebody calling the police. <laughs> so there's nowhere to go to do that. Um, no, I mean, I've never... I, 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 I've never... I think... Like I've never, for instance, like put a vod on and practiced. Like I mute it and I'm like, all right, now I'm ca-. that. That actually doesn't help me really. Hmm. Um, so not
0: even for like these other esports that you've picked up occasionally. No. Yeah.
1: No, like when I did PUBG, I just thought, okay, like I think I know what I'm gonna do. I thought my PUBG casting went went well. Um, but no, I I kind of think like, all right, here's some stuff I'm thinking about. I might have some stuff like written down, like because I always find. And it's not like Nick, here's some sentences I'm going to say. It's like a couple notes on teams, for instance, that I want to make sure I have this all in order because I haven't done this a lot, like talked about these guys a lot. But no, usually I basically, I have a little bit of prep where I think think about the game a lot. I watch other casters and see what they say and see if I agree with it or not. And then I just show up and do it.
0: (laughs) Which is very... (laughs) In my opinion, it's very bold, but it seems to work. So. <laughs> I well, I mean, I I been, I've been doing thing.
1: this for a long time, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess now that I think about it, that does sound a little bit weird. But, like, for instance, with Dan, I know he's not, like, practicing over a VOD or anything either. I think we just sort of feel like we can come there. And, again, I think all my StarCraft casts, like when I have done other games, I think that complements my cast when I do other games. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I think in general, any amount of speaking on a camera is going to help you. And any amount of speaking on a cam, in a camera, on right. a camera. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you know you have experience you know, you and a you know, casual approach to things that it's going to work out fine. But usually, it's like something along the lines of, "Oh, I had trouble repeating the same phrase, so I made sure to to you know kind of strike that out of my vocabulary and move on to a different phrase." Um, uh, Uber was talking about how he practices like his because he's known for his turn of phrase um that he practices with like his friends and sometimes it misses the mark and then he's like okay don't use that one and then he'll use the good things you know on the broadcast and his friends or his his test subjects uh just like those type of things usually what we hear from the play-by-play side of things uh it's like no i
1: I don't know if my i don't know if my play-by-play is suffering from not doing this but no i just try (laughs) to like if I, i I find that also if I fuck up on the spot, that really sticks. And also if I say something that that sounds really stupid, Dan's going to make fun of me and that's good material too. You know what I mean? So hopefully if I'm casting, everything's clear and makes sense and is, is entertaining and valuable, but I don't have any kind of drills I do or anything like that.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, if it works, it works, right? Yeah. yeah. One of the best. So thank you. (laughs) It works out great. Um, Alright, so we're actually uh, closing on, on the end here in about 90 minutes. I got one question from yep. Patreon, actually, from um, good old Axlaf. So, oh, Axlaf. Yeah. Uh, how many... <laughs> so this is a funny question. How many Brood War PVT games versus our would it take before it would ruin your friendship?
1: Well, I think not a lot, man. Um, <laughs> we actually want to do a show match eventually, but I gotta catch up. He's got a... You know, I had that problem with my hands and my wrists for a while. Um, I'm able to play now, but if I get close enough to his rank, he's at like 1, what, 2,150 MMR. I'm at my best accounts, 2,080 MMR. So if I get closer and closer to him, we'll probably do like a best of five or a best of seven hmm. and stream it. Okay. Um, I mean, I could I could make Artosis hate me in one game because I could just do something so cheesy. <laughs> and he seems to struggle against Protoss. But, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> not that many, I would say.
0: Yeah. I actually kind of on that um with that question, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about the, the amount of streaming that you guys have been doing, which is fantastic. But mm. is that uh, is that something that you've really enjoyed? Do you see yourself becoming like a streamer as long as that can last, even if maybe the you know, the gigs dried up in, in Korea, or would you move on to a different esport if that the end was was nigh if it actually happened?
1: So I actually am loving streaming uh and i thought i would hate it i kind of as you know i i i knew that like streaming is just something i should do like if i'm playing starcraft i should just probably stream it anyways but i think i had a weird view i i had a shitty agent before um who kept pushing me to stream when i was doing a lot of other gigs and i did it for a short period of time and kind of quit i think because i didn't have the right headspace to do it at and now that i've been doing it again i'm really enjoying it i got there's funny people that come into my channel uh we get to hang out i mean you i'm making money doing something i was going to do anyways so that's cool i think dan and me like streaming more than everybody else because we've been doing so much casting i feel like a lot of people that are streaming a lot are like i got to get back to casting and then because dan and me have been casting most of our careers are like oh we should be streaming more (laughs) so (laughs) I like it. I mean, I w- once I realize, I'll just stream games that I that I want to play. I'll stream when I want to stream, um, and like this this little room here is like a little streaming studio that I've made here. I gotta put cool stuff on this bookshelf behind me. But um, look, I, I I'm having a good time doing it. I mean, I think streaming is gonna be something I'll always do because I'm always playing games. I will tell you, I do find it hard to know when to stop streaming. Like, I'll end up streaming all day, and then I'll realize I haven't been out of the house. Now, that's handy to do during COVID. Right. But it it is something where I'm having to get my work-life balance a little bit more sorted out. But I'm enjoying it. I like streaming.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome to hear. Um, It's always better when people actually enjoy it, right? But Yeah. I'm probably one of those people where, like, um, I think me personally, like, actually... I'm trying to think of all like the StarCraft 2 commentators. I feel like actually a lot of them do either acknowledge that streaming is like the most important thing because we don't have those steady gigs, although this year is actually actually pretty steady. Um, Usually we don't uh, and that they'll either accept that or they'll they'll just enjoy it actually a bit more. Which is definitely not me. So you're you're basically speaking right to me when you're like, yeah, some people, you know, they want to do more casting. That is definitely me. Like I could, I would be a CS:GO caster, doing, you know, running around the world every week to a different place, and just commentating, and only streaming if I wanted to, and probably not even the game I'm casting, right? But uh, I also had a bit of like that change of a little bit of like a different outlook on streaming when I started to stream uh consistently as well. as something I kinda like, you know, twisted in my brain and I was like, oh okay, I, I kinda get how this can be really fun and actually create a community and um just be a place yeah. to talk about really interesting things with people who also want to hear about these interesting things. So yeah, I uh I, I just never feel like you guys have been casting for so long and you've really been at the top of StarCraft 2 as well as far as commentators go. Um although I think that is like it's kind of in a weird place now, not just because of COVID, but just because um, I guess of of the way that StarCraft Two is has panned out. I guess like you guys are mostly over in Korea. Unfortunately, you don't get a lot of the international gigs anymore. But right, but regardless, like you still are, you know, you're still viewed as the best. And I've never felt like I've gotten enough. You know, like I came in a bit later than everyone else, and I just I feel like I'm just people are like, you're ever going to give still up? Still hungry Starcraft? for more
1: gigs and everything. Exactly. Right? I,
0: mean, I, think, I feel like I think for I me, is enough.
1: Like- streaming's still novel, right? I mean, it's it's something kind of like, oh, isn't that funny? I can just turn on this computer and people (laughs) show up and, you know, uh, any day I do it, I've, you know, I've paid for the food that day and, you know, saved some money. And so I'm like, how about that? Isn't that, (laughs) isn't that cool? Um, but you know, I think it's also just, you've been, doing more online casting and, and, and working from home and I've been doing more studio stuff. So I think there's just novelty on, it's like the grass is always greener on the other side, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. A little bit of that for sure. Well, uh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, it's going well though. And of course I, I hope to continue to see you both streaming and uh, always on GSL. May it live forever. Yeah. Thank and, uh...
1: you so much for, for doing this. I'm sorry. I was a little bit late to no our worries. interview today. I, I, because I'm not casting right now, and I'm streaming every day, I don't know what day of the week it is half the time, so <laughs> I got confused. I apologize for being late. Thanks for waiting around for me.
0: No worries, it's a weird time it's um It's a weird year, so just for giving this all around i was I was about to fall asleep. I'm not gonna lie <laughs> <So> I, was, <laughs> I like wake myself up but anyways, thank you so much for for joining me uh giving me in you know two hours of your time. really appreciate it. I hope that I hope you guys out there enjoyed it so obviously um Where can people find you? When do you usually stream? All that good stuff.
1: So um, uh, where to find me? I mean, I I have a podcast I do called The Tasteless Podcast. So definitely add that. I have a new episode coming out, I think, in about 24 hours with Wolf that I'm very excited for people to to see. And I've got some other guests lined up. I'm going to be switching from uh, uh, just live event, doing live interviews to doing online because of COVID. I've run out of guests here. Uh, and then uh, go to twitch.tv forward slash tasteless TV. I'm usually streaming between 1 to around 9 p.m. KST. But occasionally I've been streaming all through the night playing Cyberpunk. But I do StarCraft there and some other games. So feel free to give me a follow. and Come by and hang out if you can. And I don't know when GS- GSL and ASL are going to start. They haven't told me. So I probably got maybe two more months off, something like that.
0: Something like that. But we have gotten confirmation, though, that the GSL is happening. It's happening, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the new format for next year as well. So uh, right. that'll be exciting. Hopefully next year we're going to get more and more people in, in the studios if uh, everything works out. that would be fantastic. And yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens from here. But uh, thanks again, Tasteless, and I hope you guys out there enjoyed this podcast and I look forward to seeing you guys for my next episode with Smix. See you later. Obviously, Tasteless is one of the OGs of just esports broadcasting in general, so to get his take on things and how he approaches whatever and how his stream is actually doing quite well as we all try to tackle this very unprecedented year and year and a half, two years, who knows, right? It just was a really great time. I was glad I was able to get to talk to him again after so long of not seeing him. So I hope you all appreciated it as well. Thank you again to everyone who supports over on my Patreon, patreon.com slash zombiegrub, and the extra special shout out to Alexander, Nick, Steven, Brandon, and Vinny. Thank you guys so much. I'll see you guys for the next episode with Smix.